Cause for Action is brought to you by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Institute for Legal Reform, the leading legal reform advocate in the U.S. and around the world. Learn more at instituteforlegalreform.com. Hey everyone, I'm Oriana Senator, Senior Vice President of Research and Strategic Development at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Institute for Legal Reform. On November 2nd, we hosted Summit 2022, Law, Policy, and Politics, where we brought together extraordinary panelists to talk about critical issues facing the legal reform community. I'm excited to introduce a special series of podcast episodes to highlight these panels. In this episode, you'll learn how the lack of disclosure of third-party litigation funding provides a path for foreign adversaries to invest in U.S. litigation against American industries, potentially undermining U.S. national economic and security interests. This panel was moderated by Jamil Jaffer, Assistant Professor of Law and the Founder and Executive Director of the National Security Institute at George Mason University's Antonin Scalia Law School. All right, my name is Jamil Jaffer and I'm a professor of law at George Mason University's Anson Scalia Law School. I run the National Security Institute there and I'm thrilled today uh, to be talking about third-party litigation funding and national security risks with my friend Mike Leiter. For those of you who don't, don't know Mike, Mike is a partner at Skadden. He handles their, he runs their CFIUS and national security practices. He also co-leads their cybersecurity practice as an additional focus on aerospace and defense mergers. Uh, Mike has a long history in the U.S. government, uh, previously served as president of Lidos Defense, a $2.5 billion unit of Lidos, uh, but also served as director of the National Counterterrorism Center in the Bush and Obama administrations, um, and helped establish the office of the director of national intelligence, so he knows a lot about national security um, and this space. He previously also served as, an, as a law clerk to, uh, to Associate Justice Stephen Breyer of the U.S. Supreme Court, Chief Judge Michael Boudin of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the First Circuit, and perhaps most interesting about Mike he was a naval flight officer flying EA-6B Prowlers, uh, where he operated uh, in Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia, and Iraq. So, Mike, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Great to be here, Jamal, and thanks, uh, thanks to the Chamber for having us. So let's jump right in. So talk to us, what, what is third-party litigation funding? I know this crowd knows a lot about it, uh, but talk to us about what it is exactly and how it's grown, and what's, what's the national security nexus here? Thanks. Well, I, first, I, I really have to say, I don't want to put myself out there as a third-party litigation finance expert. I am not, but national security expert. Right. And third-party litigation finance at its very core is someone other than the party paying for pending or active litigation. And you could have uh, lots of reasons to do it. And I think overall, in the past, it's probably uh, a route to claiming some value in the recovery in that litigation. Uh, but in the context of national security risks, I think it starts to look very, very different. Well, so you just put out a paper uh, today that's available to folks here um, about this question, about, uh, about the national security risks. Um, who's involved in this funding and why might they present a risk? Uh, so first of all, it's, of course, hard to know exactly how much third-party litigation funding is out there because there's no rules around transparency for that funding. But the estimates range from, you know, at the very, very low end to two and a half billion up to five billion. We, we cite some uh, work by Swiss Re that uh, a significant portion uh, of, of the global third party litigation funding is from the U.S. And that's looking at, you know, upwards of 50 percent of 17 billion. So whatever it is, it's a large amount. Yeah. And the piece that we know happens out there today 
is that we know that there are adversaries to the United States. And I should say, it's really not just a US problem. It's a potential problem in Western Europe and elsewhere. But we know that there are adversaries who have a set of goals. Yeah. And third-party litigation funding starts to look like a very sensible path to achieving those goals. So we know, right, that at least some foreign governments, or at least their sovereign wealth funds, are involved in this third-party litigation financing. Is that right? Well, we certainly suspect it. Okay. Uh, again, let me go back a step, because I know this is not a national security group, and I'm a national security person. Just to remind people about what certain countries, most notably China, Russia, to a lesser extent, but still important extent, Iran, um, even North Korea, are doing in the United States and doing in Western yeah. Europe. And that is, they want to accomplish a lot. Part of it is diminishing the role of the United States in the world. Part of it is um, undermining democracies in certain ways. They want to make our lives in these Western democracies a little bit more difficult. Right. And has been stated a number of times by U.S. officials, both Republicans and Democrats, yeah. so completely bipartisan. For example, in the case of China, that China uses, as the phrase is, uh, across the street in the White House, all elements of national power right. to achieve its strategic goals. So what are all elements of national power? Some are pretty straightforward. You build an army, you build a navy. Right. You use cyber attacks to steal intellectual property. There's a range of things, embedding yourself in an, an adversary's academic institutions right. to try to steal secrets. And in our view, third-party litigation funding, and fundamentally litigation, is another really obvious path for yeah. those exact same goals. Yeah. So look, we, you know, we've heard a lot about what China does, right? We know about the Confucius Institutes that they've set up in our academic institutions. Uh, we know about uh, their, their theft of IP that you talked about, both in cyber and, and in the physical world. It's been called the greatest transfer of wealth in modern human history. Um, but we've, we're hearing now more about their involvement in our legal system. Just last week, uh, the Justice Department released an indictment um, uh, accusing an unnamed telecommunications company, obviously in, that, in this case it was Huawei, um, of, of trying to uh, suborn, or, or Chinese government officials trying to suborn American government officials at the Justice Department to give them information about the investigation against Huawei and to use it to some end or to give it to the company. We know there's a relationship between the government and the company. That was clear in the indictment. So what relevance does an indictment like that have on this question of third-party litigation financing, um, given that we know that they're trying to influence our, our legal system? Yeah, so this is a really enormous announcement for us national security nerds. Yeah. Uh, as you said, 13 um, members of the Chinese government, including some associated with the People's Liberation Army, who were indicted for actively trying to gain information and potentially undermine the U.S. government's prosecution of Huawei. And Huawei, as, as you noted, Chinese corporation involved in telecommunications, routers, right. equipment like that, quite sensitive that can be used for some of the things we've talked about, um, and being prosecuted in the United States. What I think this shows is, if you start with the basics, countries like China, but others as well, Russia, Iran, as I mentioned, are trying to accomplish these national security goals through a variety of means. Yeah. And what this indictment two weeks ago now, I guess, shows is that they understand that the court system are another critical path to yeah. accomplishing their goals. So we have piece one, accomplish their goals in the United States and elsewhere. Piece two, 
courts are an important way to actually achieve those goals. Yeah. And then piece three is, oh my gosh, third-party litigation funding is a, fundamentally a real gap in enforcement in the United States and in Western Europe because you know they have the goals, you know they have the means, why are we not requiring transparency on this front? Because there are very specific goals that they can accomplish through third-party litigation. So let's talk about that. So, you know, I get, I get this idea that we don't want necessarily sovereign wealth funds and the like, um, foreign governments financing litigation or courts that might create all sorts of problems. Talk about what some of those problems are. You identify three or four major areas in which uh, the, the role of foreign governments, adversarial governments, funding litigation might cause problems. Talk about some of those. Sure. Uh, and, and again, we, we tried to keep this specific to national security because there's an enormous amount of fabulously written work on third-party litigation right. finance right. in a non-national security context. We did not try to revisit that. But we basically identified three areas where we think, again, the Chinas, the Russias, the Irans of the world can really pursue, uh, pursue goals through third-party litigation National finance. goals. National goals, right. exactly. Yeah, listen, if they're trying to make money, we're a capitalist society, let them make money too. Yeah. But these really go to national security goals. So piece one is um, anybody who's been sued knows what that takes out of an individual or a company. It simply takes an enormous amount of focus, right. time, energy, and it takes you away from all your other strategic goals. Right. Now, so if you're a company that, for example, is in the aerospace defense sector or in the semiconductor sector or has high value intellectual property, if your leadership is being sued, potentially for frivolous reasons, mm. and that funding is coming from an adversarial nation, and you can't run your business well, you can't make investments because you've got this litigation, we think that that um, absolutely would help a country like China achieve its overall strategic goals. Particularly since they have national champions that often operate against U.S. companies, Huawei up against Verizon, AT&T, and the like, That's right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. So piece two, if you've got kind of disruption and um, simply troublemaking in the first bucket, the second bucket is access to sensitive information. Mm. We all also know that uh, we don't really think that third-party litigation financing is this backdoor to get classified information per se in mm. the way that the U.S. government classifies it. Right. But in terms of sensitive competitive information, litigation is absolutely a path. And yeah. if you're involved in litigation over trade secrets and the like, almost by definition, those important trade secrets will be or could be exposed. And if you don't have transparency about a foreign government that is involved in that litigation, yeah. you know, while the U.S. government is pursuing trade, uh, trade secret cases, here you have litigation. Those very same trade secrets might be exposed to the same right. people that the U.S. government is prosecuting. So, and, and we know we know a report from the Foundation of Defense Against Democracies last year uh, recognized that this was happening in the bankruptcy proceedings as well, where China and other nations are going to bankruptcy proceedings, knowing that sensitive information may be available, knowing that American technology might be available, and look, seeking to scoop it up through essentially proxies. Yeah, it's absolutely right, Jamil. And the point ends up being, we know that our adversaries are trying to get this information. There's an avenue here to get it. Yep. We should protect against it. The, yep. the very last is, um, we, we have a site in the, uh, in the paper about Iran and Iran um, being pursued in US courts over interference with US elections. Obviously, there's been more than enough discussion about foreign interference in US elections. It's not just elections, though. The ability for foreign governments to influence U.S. public 
discussion mm. and public discourse, courts and litigation are a core part of that. Yeah. Uh, so not having transparency back to who that foreign government is, who may be making claims ranging from discrimination to unfair practices, right. I mean, fill in the blank with the U.S. civil code, and these are all the issues that um, foreign, a foreign government might be able to inject into the U.S. court system, which could be extremely disruptive to U.S. business. In fact, we see a lot of, a lot of litigation going on against some of our biggest tech companies, for example. These are our, some of our best champions in the fight against China and trying to win that innovation battle, and we see that happening. Who knows how much that's being financed in part by, by foreign governments and these sovereign wealth funds. Yeah. I mean, I'm not here to say that people shouldn't sue if they think there's wrongdoing. Of course. On the other hand... We should have transparency if a foreign government is ultimately behind that and making that claim, because I think it really does have this broader national security concern attached to it, and it's not simply about adjudicating that case on its merits, as it should always be. So let's talk about that. What are some of the potential solutions here? I know that some judges have required disclosure of third-party financing, New Jersey, uh, Delaware, certain judges, uh, certain courts have required it. Talk to us about what's out there in terms of what are some of the courts doing already? Um, what might Congress do about this? What can the administration do with its existing authorities? We, we require today, if you're trying to influence the U.S. government, right, you require registration under FARA. How is it possible that you can influence the courts literally by directing litigation yeah. and, and not be required to disclose? It seems crazy. Uh, it, it's, it's odd. Um, I, I think there are two kind of well-recognized paths already that are out there that would at least help the solution, yeah. um, help the, the issue. Um, the first is the pending Litigation Transparency Act on the Hill, which would require some transparency. That's good, although probably not enough. The second is proposed rules to the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure 26 about transparency on parties. The reason I say both of those are good but probably not quite sufficient is often what you may be worried about is the ultimate source of funds. And both of those steps provide visibility into who is funding but if you have a general partner or fund formation or fund behind something, you may well also want to know who the underlying limited partners are. And by right. the way, the U.S. government deals with this all the time in other contexts, yeah. so it's not something that we don't know how to do. Um, in money laundering cases, you always ask for any uh, ultimate beneficiary ownership of greater than 25%. In different contexts, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, right. classified work generally asking for ultimate beneficial owners of greater than 5%. So there are lots of regulatory standards here that you could embed in either of those standards yeah. to say, we want to know who's funding and we want to know ultimate beneficial ownership. The last piece I think is one which um, deserves, in my view, from a national security perspective, a lot of attention. Uh, most of you probably don't know what FARA is. It's the Foreign Agents Registration Act. And it actually goes back uh, many decades. And the idea is, if you're working for a foreign government here in the United States and you are trying to influence public policy, either through the government or through uh, the media and the public, then you actually, it's not that you can't do it, but you have to say, I'm working for X. Mm. You have to publicly announce and you file with the just Justice Department what foreign sovereign you're, you're working for. Um, this has gotten a lot more attention far over the past several years, in part because of what we've also talked about, Russian influence and the like. Right. So the idea here is we already require this in many cases. By the way, we don't require lawyers to do it if they're representing a client. Why? Because by definition, you're saying who your client is. But it doesn't, we think it should also apply mm -hmm. to the parties that are providing funding for litigation. 
you are almost by definition trying to influence a matter of public policy in litigation, and the hand is currently hidden. Yeah. So it's not saying you can't do it, but it is saying the public has a right to know if there's a foreign government involved in litigation like this, in the exact same way that we require foreign governments and their agents to declare themselves when engaging the U.S. public or the U.S. government. What about this argument, though, Mike, that... Um, it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, but there's this argument that's been made that, well, you know, look, these litigation financiers and funders, they don't really influence the course of litigation. They're just providing capital. They want to return on capital. This is just another alternative investment vehicle. Why do we need all these disclosures? This is not about controlling litigation. It's just about another asset class. What's wrong with that argument? Well, I'd say two things. First, um, I think there is a volume of academic research on third-party litigation funding. Mm. That, in fact, the funders do actually have a direct interest in how the litigation progresses, in part because they're going to have a financial benefit from yeah. that. Now, Selection of counsel. That's right. So let, but let's just put that aside for a minute. What the transparency on the national security front is aiming to do mm. is let the public and the courts be aware. And the public and the courts can then make their own judgments about whether it has an effect and how that effect should be mm. judged by a jury, by a judge. So you're not calling so, for a bar on this. You're simply saying, let's I, shed some light on it. We tend to believe in the United States that transparency is good. Yeah. Right? Sunshine is the best disinfectant. So allow the the disclosure of that, require the disclosure of that, and then let the parties involved decide whether or not there is some impact on funding. And I, I do think that lack of impact on litigation is, I'm not going to say, I, I've already said, I thought, I think it's probably not the right answer because there's evidence that they are involved and do have an interest. But let's accept just for a moment that for a purely economically motivated actor, that is the case. Mm. What we're talking about here is non-economically motivated actors. Right. China and Russia and Iran aren't doing this because they want 100 million versus 200 million in recovery. They're doing it for these other reasons, for the access to information, for the disruption, or influencing US public policy. So in that case, we should not take as a given that financially they don't care, that they don't want to influence it. By definition, they are trying to influence that litigation for a national security outcome, and that's why we should have transparency. And even if they don't control the course of litigation, the simple fact of bringing the lawsuit, right, creates a lot of the harms that you described, doesn't it? That may be the national security risk in and of itself, and the U.S. government and the American people should know about that funding. Yeah. Well, you know, Mike, I have one last question, and, and, I, and I'm interested to know sort of um, if we, let's say we don't implement any transparency here, and sort of the process just rolls forward, right? It seems clear now, we're now on notice. The Chinese, other countries know that our judicial system is a route in for getting sensitive information, for potentially influencing the course of, of, of events um, and influencing economic, economic results. What's the likely, how does this play out if we don't do anything? Well, the unfortunate thing is we will, we will suffer national security harms and we'll be stuck saying, how come that's happening? All we're seeking here, what we think should be sought, is transparency to know how to combat these things and to start to align these indicators of harm with other potential indicators of harm elsewhere that, again, have been long recognized as routes for some of our adversaries to make gains in the United States. Awesome. Well, thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Well done. Okay. Any questions?
laundering. Are there legal issues relating to money laundering that are relevant to this? I would think so. Um, I, certainly in terms of the ultimate beneficiary and the, right, the requirement for disclosure of ultimate ownership, I think we have an analogous situation. So uh, in my view, simply saying, well, it's an American fund that does this, frankly, doesn't pass muster. It, it could be an American fund, which was 99% supported by foreign ownership and foreign funders, whether a sovereign wealth fund or elsewhere. Uh, and I think that fact uh, that it was an American fund shouldn't be sufficient to hide that piece. And I think the money laundering perspective um, does require some diligence below the first level. As I said, there are other contexts where that's exactly the same. So uh, the U.S. government has pretty well-established standards for understanding when they care about ultimate beneficial ownership. And I think third-party litigation fin uh, financing certainly falls in that category. Other questions? At the back. I think we're sending a mic over to you. Does that mean I have to go there? Yeah, that, not this <laughs> mic, mic, that mic. There you go. Thanks, thanks, Jamil and Mike. I was just wondering if you could comment on, is it that the funders know, uh, you know whether they're um, state-owned enterprises or other, other sovereign wealth funds and won't say, or is it that they don't really know the extent to which those entities are investing in their funds? Uh, so I, I think that's a very good question, and I don't want to generalize too much here. Uh, there are critical sovereign wealth funds in the world who are really important to the growth of U.S. business and make really incredibly valuable investments in U.S. industry, U.S. jobs, et cetera. So I, I certainly don't want to put everybody in the same bucket here. Um, I, I think there is resistance on both ends, both the fund structure and the limited partner. As a general matter, funds don't like to disclose their limited partners for a variety of reasons. Um, it's a competitive field. You don't want right. to show that. You know, but I think there are probably ways to address that uh, in litigation. You could still require in camera. Right. You could require above a certain percentage. So you could protect against some of that. And frankly, I'm, I'm not sure how much we should be protecting it. If you're involved in litigation, you're involved in public courts, and yeah. you're going to know there's some risk of disclosure there. Um, then I think there is some desire on some unsavory foreign actors that may not want their names associated with this. And, and actually, I think those are exactly the cases where we tend to want disclosure. Uh, you know, if you have um, a, a major investor from Russia involved in uh, litigation financing, uh, and they say, no, 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 we don't want anyone to know we're here, I think the people across the street in that little white building want to know they're there or should want to know they're there. Yeah. And there is a fundamental distinction, I think, between, you know, uh, financing for the purpose of venture capital alike and the litigation financing. They're, the two are very different, right? One is an economic gain and activity. We can debate whether it makes sense over there. But in another case, you're actually using the U.S. government institutions in a manner in which uh, that can really create problems for companies um, in our industry and our government and our national security interests here in the United States, that to me is a fundamental distinction where the kind of disclosure we're talking about is, is much more important. Necessary. And Farrell recognizes that. Other questions? All right. Great. If not, thank you very thanks, much. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. That's all. Thank you.